children we are back and we are responding i don't know why i'm rolling my r's but i am we are responding to some feedback why because well we're running a little late today and so the stuff we had planned is just gonna have to go till next week (gasps) western civilization will have to survive it's gonna make but we did promise we would get to some feedback and so we are going to do it so and you heard lou lou is here lou is with me and i don't know why the computer's not scrolling for the second week in a row that's so aggravating it is so anyway so I guess we've gathered here to t- to get, uh, we've gathered here this week to tell you that you don't ask us no questions, we'll tell you no lies. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Which is one of my mother-in-law's um, favorite lines. But no, in all seriousness, we have been given some feedback on various episodes, and so we would like to deal with it because we think it's worthwhile. Some of it we think we actually addressed, but apparently we did not address it well enough. Therefore, we shall endeavor to do better. Right. That's that's the theory anyway. So. Going back to our episode a few weeks ago, let me see, what exactly is a few the weeks tr- ago? Discipline? Uh, yeah, the 17th of February. Okay. So almost a month ago when we discussed the idea of church discipline, discipline within the self, in dealing with the Ravi Zacharias issue. Mm-hmm. So go back and listen to that if you have no idea what we're talking about and you'll understand. And I know one of the things we made a big deal about was Christian community. Right. One of the things that we noticed, and we're not the only ones who have noticed this. Various other folks have noticed this, too. One of the things that we noticed about Ravi's ministry that could have led to this, and if nothing else, it made, this, it made his whole situation worse, was the fact that there did not appear to be any, any real Christian oversight or community accountability in his ministry or in his life in general. Right. Um, I know he was ordained in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Right. They um, they just this week rescinded that ordination. I have no idea what good that's supposed to do. <laughs> wow. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't even know what that would mean for anybody. Yeah, you don't get to teach in our name anymore. Well, he's dead, Jim. So <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, he's dead, Jim. I can't bring him back. So any. <laughs> So I don't know exactly what rescinding his ordination accomplishes. We've lost Lou now, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> but apparently, apparently that does something. Rather, what we were discussing and what we think is important is actually having Christian community and accountability while you're alive mm-hmm. and engaged in ministry. Right. So with that, we're going to read this offensive comment to Lou. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Hillary Crook, Hillary Crinton. I'm, I'm, oh man, you're what rolling am I, Sean, in Mars. I'm Sean Connery running a Chinese restaurant. Hillary Crinton, what <laughs> is going on today? All right, get the Christmas story out of my system. Hillary Clinton, that lady, wrote a book about this community. I don't, I don't know if it meant to have that many exclamation points like Thomas Dolby's science, <laughs> but community. Yeah. And he's right. Hillary, back in the 90s, wrote a book about this called It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. And I am going to quote the great, the great prophet Bill Maher on this one. Okay. Not everything should be geared towards children. Life should be someone about the rest of us, you know, those survivors of childhood. 
Yeah. <laughs> and forgive me, but I think she was probably do well to write a book about the village idiot. <laughs> now, Lou. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I have some strong feelings about as, as I told a kid who was aggravating me on a youth trip one time, Jesus loves you, so I don't have to. Right. <laughs> that is good. I'm going to have to remember that. I'm he just looked at me like, I have never been more hurt than my entire life. His girlfriend thought it was hilarious. So I'm like, you, you know I love you and you know I care about you, but if you annoy me one more time. That's it. <laughs> you got it. You're going to go home on the end of my shoe. <laughs> you won't need the van. All right. But in all honesty, though, yes, Hillary wrote this book. It takes a village to raise a child. And in that book, the idea was that <clears throat> children are not just a product of their family. They are a product of their community. Oh, yes. And the entire community needs to come together to discipline and raise – well, she wouldn't use the word discipline, but to – she wouldn't use the word train. What word would she use? Indoctrinate? No, she wouldn't use indoctrinate because that would be giving away the, the plot there. Um, Educate. There's the word we would that she would use to to educate and prepare the child for life in the community. Did she say anything about re-education camps? <laughs> no, no, no. But they'll they'll have the nicest gulags. They'll have curtains okay. and and you know glade plugins. It's gonna be awesome gulags when we all end up there. I'll see you guys there. It'll be fun. Um. <laughs> I guess all silliness aside, though, I guess it's all about the community and what what basis. Does that community live by? Well, I mean, and, th- and this is why, because we've, we've made mention of this, and we probably should have made a bigger deal about this at the time, and we didn't. Uh-huh. But if you'll notice, I keep throwing a qualifier in there when I talk about Ravi. Mm-hmm. Ravi or Ravi, I don't know. I'll probably say it both ways, so okay. don't be offended if I say it incorrectly. Um, we keep saying that it would have been good for him if he had had discipline and oversight from a Christian community. And maybe that, maybe we didn't do a good enough job of emphasizing that first part. It's not the community aspect that's so important. It's the Christian aspect of the community that is so important. I mean, it doesn't do Ravi any good to have, you know, like three atheists on a board of directors be like, so what'd you do this week? No, he actually needs Mm -hmm. Christian, and maybe I should need to clarify this further, practicing, biblically grounded Christian community. You know, people actually studying their Bible going to church, engaging in the one another's, who can thereby engage in the one another's with him. And and willing to, someone who is willing to step up and hold someone accountable. And I mean, it, it, it makes you wonder. I mean, he did a lot of work in discipling and, and evident, evidentiary, um, you know. Oh, epistemology. Epistemology, apologetics, apologetics and, stuff like um, that, yeah. But the word just went right out of my head. So yeah, I mean, who was who was holding him accountable? I mean, it, and and if I, I had heard stories that people actually knew what was going on and and didn't actually call him on the carpet and say, hey, what's going on here? Well, yeah, apparently there's been some rumblings going back maybe five or six years even, and maybe even farther back than that. But again, this goes to the point: is it a board of directors? Right. Because let's be honest, a board of directors is not a church. Right. I don't care how godly that board of directors is, it is not a church. Because at the end of the day, a board of directors, even if they are the most godly men imaginable, as board, as directors, they are more accountable to the future of the ministry than they are the function of the church as they're functioning there. They may be godly men. They may be carrying their Christianity into the boardroom with them. But they are still not a church. I think maybe that things were just done that way by design because... Well, and a lot of ministries do yeah. that. I mean, 
look, we're the oddballs. You and I are sitting here in the sound booth at the back of the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. We're in the church. Right. On, the, on one side of the wall are all the seats to the sanctuary. And the other side of the wall is the foyer where, you know, the half a dozen guys are going to gather in, in a little while and we're going to do Bible study. Right. So, I mean, we're, we are intimately here involved in the church. This is an outspring yeah. of the church. Accountability is important. We do this because we go to church together. The half of our listeners in our area are people here at the church. You know, some of the questions we answer are from people in the church. People in the church know what we're doing. They can get access to it. It's in our bulletin every Sunday. They're, I mean, you know. So the problem, I think, comes when you get into certain larger ministries, mm-hmm. and maybe one day we'll have the, the blessings to know this problem, is that it gets too removed from the church. Yeah. And I think that becomes a problem, both personally and infra- infrastructurally, if that's a word. And if it's not... It is now. It is now. So you get too reliant on donations and bank statements and directors and board meetings, and and you lose the concept that what we're actually engaging in is discipleship ministry. Mm-hmm. We're teaching the word. We're expounding its precepts. We're applying its truths, and we're encouraging people to walk faithfully. And even the vast majority of Ravi's work, even if he is outside of the church, even the vast majority of his work was outside of the church. Mm-hmm. I mean— how many of the, of the RZIM presentations are in churches, and how many of them are at lecture halls or in college campuses? I couldn't tell you. I know he was a philosophical man, and he spoke at a lot of, you know, campuses. But and even in, and even when they are church presentations, yeah. are they really to the benefit of the church, or are they to the benefit of philosophical endeavors? And this is. Yeah, this yeah. is something that I've actually been struggling with in the last week. I've debated on making this an episode. So you, right off the fly, here, I'll pitch one to you. Mm-hmm. I keep There's a big push right now for in, in, in um, evangelical circles for what's known as standpoint epistemology. It, it's part of critical race theory and intersectionality, really critical theory and intersectionality. Yeah. And the idea is that who you are helps determine how you see things. So in order to have a fully orbed view of the Bible, you need white people and brown people and black people and people that speak different languages and you need Asian languages and you need, you know, uh, romantic languages and you need Germanic languages coming together to help understand these terminologies. So who you are matters. Whereas I'm I'm a proponent of the grammatical historical method of interpretation leading to – don't you just love when a word goes right out of your head? Expository sermons. There it is. That word always escapes me, too. It just went away completely, leading towards expository sermon delivery from the church. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think that's important is because the first step is removing you. I don't care what I think. I care what the text thinks. I care what the author being both the human author, the human audience, and the Holy Spirit behind the human author and the Holy Spirit behind the both the audience then and audience now. I care what he's concerned with. Right. I mean, we, we come with our presuppositions. Always. I mean, this is something I'm studying right now in college, too. You know, when you're, you're ex, you know, exegeting a passage of Scripture, and now it comes time for application. And if you don't, if you're not faithful to the Scriptures and to its original meaning, you're almost always going to come up with an application that is outside of the meaning of the Scripture. Well, yeah, but also, but notice that my presuppositions are fully applicable and fully open when sure. I get to the application portion of the program. Right. They are not fully appropriate when we get to the understanding portion of the program, okay. the meaning. 
So the first step in understanding scripture is to forget me and go get into their world. Right. That's that, hard to do sometimes. It is, but, that's, but it's necessary. It's necessary, right. And if you don't do that, then you've lost from the very, very beginning. Yeah, there's the historical and cultural aspects of the scripture. Um, it, it helps to consult original sources that were uh, contemporary with the people who wrote it. Now, I say all that to say this, and this is something we may end up diving further into next week when we get to our, um, our regularly scheduled topic. The definition of expository preaching and expository sermons is making the main point of your sermon that which is the main point of the text from which you're preaching. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think that is woefully inadequate. Because I think what that gives license to is what's known as jumping off preaching. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this sermon, this passage mentions family. So today's sermon is going to be about family. Now, should family be a part of that sermon? Yes. But I think truly expository preaching is not just borrowing the main idea from the passage, but it is taking the idea of the passage and making it applicable. Actually explaining the passage and then making application based on the explanation, not necessarily based on just the principle. And the context, right? Yeah. Am I am I making a fine enough Absolutely. distinction? Absolutely, looks good. It sounds good to me. Yeah. And the reason I'm why agreement. I'm making this so important is because I think if you listen to a lot of the presentations that um, Ravi is doing, they could be described as expository, because what he's doing is he's expounding on scripture in a way that is philosophically consistent. But what he is not doing is expounding on scripture as the entirety of the foundation upon which he's building. And if you want to see the difference, go download one of our worship services, and you'll see what I'm talking about when I do this. I don't have a jumping off point. I have never been more annoyed in church than when I go to church and I read my Bible like for the verse one verse that we read at the beginning, and then I could basically put it away and I don't need it again. I, I, I think you're doing people a disservice when you're doing that. Right. And I think that becomes the difference, and I think that's part of the, the problem. The reason that is such a disservice, in my opinion, is that many of our churchgoers are only there once a week. They're not in their Bibles every single day, no. like they should be. And For various reasons, only, some excusable, some not. Right, and the only and the only time that preachers, teachers have is that one hour on a Sunday or whatever day you guys gather to to yeah. infuse a person with the Word of God. And that's just not enough. No, I agree. Now, all of this comes full circle because... This needs to be the basis of the community you are holding yourself accountable to and in which you are holding others accountable to. It's got to be the, the foundation stone to and, everything. And if this isn't the foundation of your church, right. then go find a church on which this is the foundation. And if you cannot find one, then find one that's the closest and do your best to strengthen and undergird that foundation as much as you can so that it becomes better. Right. Find the best one you can. And build it up as much as you can, yeah. because you got to be there, and you got to be accountable, and you got to be holding others accountable. Yeah, I, you know that challenge that you gave at the end of that that <laughs> teaching that we did on church discipline. You know, going and checking to see if you could find out what what congregation he belonged to. I couldn't find anything. No, you can't. Good luck. You won't. And so, it, 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 I guess, I guess the the moral of the story is is that there was no no uh, governing body that oversaw his ministry to help keep him in. In the Word of God. Yeah, and that becomes the problem. Right. And so what, it, what ends up happening is who lies to you the most? Well, you do, obviously. And so what ends up happening is you can – look, the human sinful heart can justify a lot of things, and that is why you need other people. Now, do you need other pagans? 
No. Do you need other marginal Christians? No. Do you need other Bible illiterate people? No. You need biblically grounded, biblically faithful people who mm -hmm. love you because they love the Savior and therefore will look at you and go, what you doing? Mm -hmm. Why you doing? That doesn't fly here. Let's come back to the right path. And here's why this matters. Right. Now, that leads us, I think, right into our next thing, which this is, this hurts yeah. because this is, this is the reality of life here. This really hits home. I have so many brothers that have broken families, and I have to deal with this type of brokenness, and I feel compelled to address this. Mm -hmm. But I struggle with some of my brothers who do nothing to address their issues, yet they claim Christianity. What do you do? And I think this goes back to one of the verses I always am quoting. I'm forever quoting this. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Now, are we always going to walk perfectly? Well, no. I mean, we we try, but we, we do. We, we fail we every fall day. We fall short quite regularly. Yeah. That's why I always, I always love to run right to First John. If mm -hmm. we say that we have not sinned, mm -hmm. we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. Right. I mean, one of the universal truths is that we all mess up and we all fall short. But we do not live there. Right. So when, I, when someone looks at me and goes, why are you doing that? Why am I doing what? That right there, that, that sinful thing that you shouldn't be doing. Yes, usually my first reaction is, how dare you? And then what do I actually, what is the Holy Spirit kicking me in the rear end start to do? Right, he opens you. Well, if you're a humble man, you, you're going you're gonna to take what that person came to you with. You're going to think about it. And if you're wrong, you're going to admit it. And then you're going to try and bring yourself back into alignment with the scriptures. So the question, how do I deal with this? All right, acknowledge the brokenness in your family. Acknowledge why it went wrong. Make your peace with your brokenness in your family with your Savior. Mm -hmm. That matters. Then, as much as humanly possible, make that peace with the people that you are broken. If right. it's not possible to make peace with them, that's why you make peace with your Savior first. Right. Because then when you endeavor to make peace with those other people, the chips fall where they may. Right. If you can't make peace, you can't make peace. You have done what you're required to do. Right. But once you have done this, you are now, as you put it, humbly prepared to go and deal with the wayward brother. When Jesus says, judge not lest ye be judged... By the same standard you judge, you too will be judged. Mm -hmm. Good. We just laid out that beautiful standard, didn't we? Yeah. That I have repented of my sin. I have trusted in my Savior. I have made peace with God. I have tried to make peace with the people that I have wronged. And now I am prepared to do what? I have dealt with the log that is in my eye so that I may help my brother deal with the speck that is in his. Right. But if these are your brothers, and if they claim the name of Christ then they should, at some point down the road, welcome some intervention and correction. Right. I didn't say immediately. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I walk up and be like, Lou, you realize you're treating your wife like garbage. Lou's not talking to me anymore. Mm -hmm. That may be all well and good, but you know what? When the Holy Spirit's done getting a hold of Lou, you know who he's going to come back to? Well, if he's a humble man, he'll come back and, and thank the person that told him. Because when the Holy, because this is who we have to trust. That the Holy Spirit's going to take my admonition, mm -hmm. work on Lou's heart, and when the Holy Spirit's done whooping his butt and he's realized that he's lost, Lou's going to come back and say, hey, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it, but I appreciate it. Yeah, it's not comfortable when you, when you find out what you're doing isn't, isn't right. 
Um, and sometimes we don't need anybody to tell us. We know. Well, and that's usually why we react the way we do, because yeah. we already know. Because right. the Holy Spirit's already been given us Because like you slap. said, we're lying to ourselves. Yeah. And we're, we're, when we're it's happening, my deception is exposed, mm-hmm. and now suddenly it's like, <laughs> I knew it, but I had convinced myself that I didn't know it. And what you just proved is that not only do I know it, but you know it, which means I'm not hiding it as well as I think I am. Right. Now it's out in the open. And now I'm hurt. I'm embarrassed. I'm angry. And I'm in sin. What could go wrong? Yeah, well, <laughs> depends on what kind of person you are, but I guess. Well, and this is also, again, something we make a big deal about. I make a big deal about it on Sunday mornings every chance I get. Mm-hmm. This is the crucible of faith. I mean, keep in mind how a crucible actually works, how a foundry and forge function. Yeah, it's not a comfortable no, experience. No, we, we take a big oven. To crucify. Or... Yeah, and we make it really, really <laughs> hot to the point that we can melt stuff that's right. not supposed to be melted. Right. Okay? This is your world. This is how Christianity, this is how the Puritans would have described sanctification, is it's living in a crucible. It's, it's being cooked slowly, sometimes quickly, sometimes with oil, sometimes with butter. You know, it depends on the mood. <sighs> <laughs> a little parsley. Come on. Now. <laughs> Culinary humor here, people. Work with me here. I'm doing what I can. Doing what I can. <laughs> but this heating process is meant to, it's meant to boil you. It's meant to relieve you of your impurities. Oh, people over there. <laughs> we have people sitting in the sanctuary while we're doing this. It's meant to remove your impurities so that they can be skimmed off. Right. It's meant to pour you out. We, you know, we describe sometimes dealing with sin, sin as being run through the ringer. Good! Mm-hmm. That's what it's supposed to be like. It's not supposed to be pleasant. It's not right. supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be difficult because you're literally retraining and reprogramming your soul. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a pleasant, pleasant experience sometimes, especially if you have a lot of history. If you have a lot of problems that you're dealing with, the last thing you want to do is be called on it. And, and then go through the crucible, as you, as you said. Uh, but we're supposed to crucify our flesh on a daily basis. Yeah. So, I mean, so we, we need to get used to that feeling, and we need to be accountable and honest and open with each other when we see things like that. And that's what I think this, the, the, our, uh, our listener is asking, you know, what are we supposed to do? When you've done everything, when you have brought that up to that person and you brought it to the church... What else should you do? You're interceding for this person. You should be praying. You pray, absolutely. Now, so, okay, let's pray. Let's distill this down to practical steps. Right. Step one, watch your walk. Right. Your first ministry is always at home, and that always starts with you. Right. So make sure you are, to the best of your knowledge and ability, crucifying your sins. You are putting yourself into the fire as much as possible. Then encourage others to do that for you. And when they do that... Learn over time to react humbly. Now, once you have done that, and you are praying for you and praying for your friends and praying for the community that you are a part of, when you see the problem, you know what? If you see more than one problem, this is, this is not a Bible advice. This is just practical. Go to the mildest one first. And I'm serious. What's the easiest one? What's the least offensive one? What's the one they're going to acknowledge the fastest? And deal with that. Because at least it gives you a starting point. It gets the ball rolling. Sometimes getting the ball rolling in the wrong direction doesn't help. Sometimes getting it rolling in the right direction does help. Kind of building a relationship, a rapport with this person. And then that's the other part, is don't do this cold turkey. Mm -hmm. Like, if I only see you Sunday mornings, I I, I don't think I have warrant necessarily to just roll up on your house on Tuesday nights and be like, all right, let's go. 
But no, now if you're friends, your family, you've you've dealt with, you've been around this for years. I think then you have the right to be able to go. Okay, I've noticed something, and that would probably be my next thing: be as nice as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. You are going to do the most offensive thing in human history. You're going to tell someone they've done something wrong. I mean, the the message of the gospel is offensive enough. The anger of the crucible of sanctification is hard enough. Don't make it worse. Just make it easy. I didn't say sugarcoat it. I didn't say lie about it. But just try to be as nice and polite about it as you can. Like, I wouldn't bring Lou's sin to Lou the same way I would bring my wife's sin to her. It's a different relationship there. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest with you, I'd be more blunt with my wife, and she would admit that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, there's a lot of times I bring the snow shovel of righteousness into the marriage and be like, hey, bing! <laughs> that's a picture <laughs> isn't it though yeah. and part of the reason I am like that though is because you know what I'm doing every morning in the shower I'm beating myself with the same snow shovel I have called myself more bad names than I have any other human in history <laughs> yeah I'm pretty hard on myself too I mean, my favorite phrase at most mornings is man you're an idiot but you're good at being an idiot <laughs> but you're good at this hey, it's one of my spiritual gifts okay it's in 3rd Corinthians somewhere Hey, read Third Corinthians, it'll do you good. It's in that spiritual gifts listing. Oh my, people are going to be looking for that yeah. book now. It's right after Second Hesitations. Oh boy. And that's where the, um, um, cleanliness is next to godliness, and God helps those who help, help themselves. themselves. Those, those are in oh that. My. That's where those are, okay? In case you were wondering. No, that's not a part of the Apocrypha. We're kidding people, all right? We are kidding. Don't read Second Hesitations, it will not do you good. If you can find it, I mean... <laughs> if you can find it, read it and send it to me, and I'll, I'll read it, yeah, just for fun. I, we'll read it on the air. Yeah. We'll, we'll just pop it up and be like, here we go. We will exegete Second Hesitations live and in person. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I mean, the, the, but all of this goes together. Be, hard, be mean to you and be loving to others, I think is a good starting point. And realize that... How would I want to hear this? Because right. we all, because here's the other thing. As we've covered this, most sinners know when they're really deep in it. it they don't need to be told, but at the same time, they need to be told. Yeah, they're looking for a lifeline maybe. Well, and again, and this is also where you start separating the wheat from the chaff and the sheep from the goats. Right. And that's why I say you have to be honest about it. Be nice. Be com- as comforting as possible, but you have to be honest about it. Deal with it because the goat needs to hear this because sometimes the best thing you can do for the unbeliever who's deluded in his righteousness is expose him to his unbelief. Mm. That's a method of evangelism right there is pointing out your hypocrisy so that you can then either confirm yourself in your hypocrisy or you can begin to, by the help of the Holy Spirit, climb your way out of it. Conversely, though, for the sheep, it will sting. They will not like it. Mm. But at the same token, when the Holy Spirit is done working, right. they will be able to acknowledge it, and you will have strengthened a brother and also confirmed part of that Christian community. Right. So we should be praying. Absolutely. And be, be prayerful before we even approach someone. Because the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does better than we can. Again, smartest thing we will ever say is the Holy Spirit is good at his job. Right. He will convict you quicker than you can say convict you. Yeah. And when the Holy Spirit touches you and reveals that part of you, sometimes it's painful and then somebody comes up and says, I've noticed this. And you're like, man, this is the second witness that Uh I've seen, you know, that I've heard because most Christians, they have that voice, that Holy Spirit speaking to them and the Holy Spirit... It, the, he, it's that still soft voice, and sometimes you need to turn it up because you got you know you're turning up the music because you don't want to hear that voice. Mm-hmm. Then you hear it, and then somebody confirms it, and you're like, now I got to deal. You with it. You need something to cut through the noise. Yep. 
You need something no, to cut through all the it. garbage right. and get what's done. And again, I, we talked about this. I don't remember which episode, but we talked about, you know, when someone comes to me at church and be like, I think the church needs to start X, Y, or Z ministry, and I, we need to find somebody <laughs> to head that up. Right. There, you there go. they are. You're the one. Why? Because you care. The Holy Spirit has burdened you with this. So conversely, if you're noticing this sin in your brother, the Holy Spirit has burdened you with this. Right. You now need to go to them. Because that's who the Holy Spirit has put this upon. This is now your burden. This is what Scripture talks about when Galatians 6 talks about bearing one another's burdens. That's what's going on here. They are burdened with their sin. Whether they realize it or not, they are carrying a heavy load. You have now been burdened with that same sin because the Holy Spirit has made it known to you. So go and walk with them. Encourage them. Point them in the godly direction. Point them to the forgiveness in Christ. Point them to freedom in the gospel. Tell them you're going to pray for them. Let them get mad at you. And then continue to pray and continue to encourage. These things matter. Yeah. And when do, and by doing this, we are now doing Christian community. Right. Not wise counsel community, although that's part of Christian community. Not good advice community, although, again, that's part of Christian community. But we're basing it in Christ, on the word the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, redemption in Christ, all of this working together so that we are now walking along with one another so that we go in the right direction. Yep, bearing each other's burdens. This is where this matters. This is why that becomes so important. Again, you can't do this outside of church. And that would be the next question is like, are these people that you're worried about in church? Because if they're not, there's your first problem. Right. Why are you able to delude yourself with this sin? Because you're not because you're standing in the same dangerous ground that Ravi is, and you need to be confronted with that. So there's your starting point. Again, and that's an easy one. Hey, why do you name the name of Christ? But you're avoiding fellowship with his people. Right. You you can't love the husband and then hate his wife. It's just not how this works. You got it there, they're a package deal. They work together. <laughs> so hopefully that's interesting. Hopefully that has clarified some things. Yeah. If not, we apologize, ask more questions. We promise to answer them as best we can. Right. All right. That means I'm a week ahead. Because <laughs> I got all the prep stuff done for the episode that we'll do next week where you're going to like this one. Perspicuity. So we're we're going to do a tease. Okay. We're going to prepare it. We're going to talk about the perspicuity of Scripture. And you don't need deodorant for that. So that's always good news. <laughs> so because... There is some Bible twisting going on. If you didn't hear the crying uh, like a week or so ago, um, you should have been listening louder because there was a Bible somewhere that was screaming out in pain as someone was like bending it into weird yoga poses that it wasn't naturally supposed to be in. Oh, boy. And they were using doing this to justify Christian love in getting the COVID vaccine. Okay. So we want to address the Bible passage that they used understand it rightly, talk about why we can understand it rightly, and then apply that understanding to what they said. Won't that be fun? That'd be excellent. See, I think that's a good topic. So that'll be what we're going to try to tackle next week. And then I think the week after that, I'm, I'm trying to really plan ahead, is is we may get a chance to tackle um, everybody's favorite, um, uh, everybody's favorite uh, apostate Catholic, Pope Frankie. Because he also made the Bible do some weird gymnastics. So we might have some fun Bible gymnastics in the coming weeks. All right. I'm dealing with attributes that. of God and, and understandings of Scripture. So that might be the next couple of weeks. So there you go. If you're not excited, then I just I have got nothing I'm for excited. you. I'm excited. There's no hope for you. So in the meantime, then, 
practicaltheologyministries.com is the website. If you have questions, comments, complaints, or stuff you want us to look at, info at practicaltheologyministries.com is the email. I promise I actually check it, so I don't just automatically delete it. I'm not that kind of guy. Um, go to the website. You'll find resources. Uh, thank you to everybody who's downloading. Uh, share it with your friends and neighbors. We appreciate you. I keep looking at where the downloads come from, and I'm instantly astounded every time yep. because we have people listening in the U.K., in Trinidad and Tobago, Colombia, India, and like 12 different states in the U.S. Oh, plus Canada. Canada, all right. We have Canadians from Canada. Yeah. And don't feel bad. I tell the Floridians they're from Floridia. So yeah, we need to be in prayer for uh, the pastor. Oh, James Coates. James yes. Coates. Canada. Yeah. What, what you doing? What you doing, Canada? Yeah. I thought you were the nice people with Tim Hortons and maple syrup, eh? Hey. Say, I got to drop an hey there. Yeah. Now, we, Seriously, we, we, we me, love our Canadian brothers. Let me and... rephrase that. We had Canadian listeners. <laughs> 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 Until about 35 seconds ago, we had someone These at least These guys are listen. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But no, so we appreciate it. it. It astounds me that people are everywhere just keeping up with this little bit of craziness that we do. So we appreciate you guys. Again, send us your info. Um, if you need anything, want us to look at it, let us know. We'd be glad to talk about it, glad to encourage anyone we can. In the meantime, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.